Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga. And thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or a subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. everyone, welcome to Hugh at Home. I'm Tracy Koga. Well, is it Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday? I don't know. It's a short work week because of Thanksgiving Monday and of course all of the turkey and gravy we've all had. So maybe some live music, virtual music, is in store for you. Coming up on Sunday, October 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Caroline Marie Brooks will be debuting her solo album. And you don't want to miss it. This is going to be an anthology of songs that are really true to her heart. And it will be up on her website, carolinemariebrooks.com, to get tickets. And the show will also be up there until Sunday, October 24th, until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, let's go into conversation with Caroline and know more behind her first debut solo album. It seems that we have been caught in a virtual time warp, Caroline, because <laughs> uh, I, I don't know whether it was the end of the second wave, the beginning of the third, and now we're in the fourth, and we're still doing this. It is so frustrating, but it is beautiful in a sense because we still can connect. And uh, Caroline Brooks, we know her as one-third of the Good Lovelies, an amazing trio, now we have Caroline Marie Brooks, solo. And uh, the title of the new album is really cool too, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, there's actually another Caroline Brooks who's an amazing musician out of LA. So I have put my middle name into this project just to help a little with confusion. <laughs> so clarify. <laughs> okay, so when I was referring to the title of your album, Everything at the Same Time. Yes. That yes. is so true. That is so yeah. true. And what uh, we're in right now, but it's also in our daily lives, like in our work lives, everything at the same time. Everybody yeah. wants the same thing or something at the same time. And we're forced to like split ourselves in multifaceted pieces and try to make something cohesive. So, I, you know, I don't know if that's like, Probably not the basis of the album, but let's get right to it. The reason to go solo and the concept behind your first debut solo album. Yeah, it's a big question. What mm -hmm. what 
what made me go in this direction? Well, I've been working on it for about a year. So I started, well, I guess a little bit more if you count the songwriting process, but I've wanted to make a solo record for a long time. Um, as you know, I'm one third of a band called The Good Lovelies. And um, that has been my main gig for most of my professional career. And I love making music of all kinds with lots of people. And I wanted to celebrate my middle age, my 40th birthday was this last summer. So I knew leading up to that, that I would want to record some really personal songs and mark a very specific time of my life. So um, I'm a parent of young children. Uh, you might hear some video <laughs> games downstairs. I'm on my own with my son right now. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just in it. Everything at the same time is happening. Like, I'm, I, you nailed it, Tracy, because we're like not just one thing. We also don't just feel one thing. And that is really at the heart of this record is like that idea that, you know, you can have extreme joy, but you can also see sadness in moments. Like the way I like to explain it is, you know, my kids are growing up before my very eyes and it gives me so much joy to see them growing and becoming like fully formed humans. And then at the same time, there's like a grief there watching your babies grow, you know, so you can have like these layers of emotions, you can be more than one thing, you can, yeah, experience many things simultaneously. And that was really what I wanted to mark in a lot of the songs on this record. So the title was fitting. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the process. I mean, how different is it when you're writing in a trio, as opposed to writing for yourself? That's also a great question. Um, I just uh, came off of a week-long writing trip with Carrie and Sue. We're writing songs for a new record, and it was probably the most collaborative writing we've ever done before. So traditionally, Good Lovely's record, songs would come either fully formed or partially formed, and we'd share and, you know, refine together. Um, with this uh, collection of songs, I, I, you know, I sort of took myself, I took all expectations away. And it's, I hope I carry this word because it, you know, with any work, um, even being a musician, there's a certain amount of expectation that, that flows through that. So, um, you know, my band has been a band for almost 16 years and people have certain expectations around it. So when I was writing the songs for this record, I knew they'd be very like, personal and family focused, but also I kind of liberated myself from um, any, you know, expectations on myself about where it would end up. I was like not thinking about, is this a song that's going to end up on, you know, CBC or would this ever make the radio or would this work on a playlist? Like I stopped, I just, I just stopped and I wrote these songs for myself and that sounds a little selfish, in a way, <laughs> but it was actually just a really nice experience. Um, to mark, again, mark this specific time of my life and um, and feel these songs very deeply. And and again, like writing for Good Lovelies, it's not that I don't do that. It's just it, it knowing that these songs wouldn't necessarily end up anywhere was kind of a lovely feeling and, and helped me focus uh, my writing. Oh, great. And you talked about family. So opening up and when any songwriter writes songs, they're vulnerable. I guess putting your life out there, and like you said, you're just a turning point or whatever. Like, hey, forty is like the new twenty, girl. So yeah, don't worry yeah, about thank it. Thank you. <laughs> 
29 again, boy. Yeah. No, but, but still, and especially for females, especially for women, right? Um, how much did that play into, I guess, rethinking or why am I doing this now or is this a good idea? All of those things. We don't we always talk about, oh, this is a great thing and whatever, but maybe I'm switching around, talking about the doubts and how you work through them. There's certainly doubt in anything we do. Um and yeah, turning forty was definitely felt more momentous than any of the other birthdays have felt so far. You know, even here, you know, turning 30 felt different than this. Um, I think it's partially because I can remember my mom at my age, you know, and I can um, start like I, when I spend time with her, it's really interesting because I'm like, I still see her as my age, you know, and now. Yeah. yeah. And there's like a circularity to that. And then the doubt piece is interesting because I almost feel less doubt as I get older. Um, I just, I kind of know what I want more. And I, I, I certainly felt that making this record, making the sounds on the record, knowing what the songs would be like format wise, like form wise and uh, what kind of instrumentation. I worked with this amazing um, co-producer, Jim Bryson, who I've spent a lot of time with. I love him dearly. He did such a beautiful job with this record. And it was a very empowering experience to make this record because I was more in the driver's seat than I ever have been. And, and the doubt was oddly not quite there. I mean, there's always doubt when you release music and you're like, will it connect with people, you know? And um, I've just released this new music video and, and it's scary, right? It's always a little bit scary to put things out in the world. But as I grow older, I'm, I'm almost more secure in what I want to do and how I want it to sound and look. And so that's, that's quite empowering. Um, but the, yeah, the nagging doubt is always. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? I think as you get older, you do get wiser. Yes. Or maybe we grow a tougher <laughs> skin. I don't know. But even, you know, the process of making this album. Yes, probably virtual with a lot of your musicians. You mentioned mm -hmm. Jim. He has been, you know, been like one of the top producers. I guess for you now, what would be the next steps? Would you go into producing too? I mean, the door's been nudged open, certainly. I'm like working on my technical skills in production, like learning about miking techniques and what kind of sounds I want to make. Um, have a lot of feelings about how things should, or not should, how I'd like things to sound. Yes. Um, and, you know, I've always been quite, Carrie, Sue, and I, with Good Lovelies, have always been quite vocal about what we want when we're making a record. So we've always been very involved in that. Whether I want to actually drive, you know, like steer the ship, I don't know if that's <laughs> my thing yet. I'm not closing yeah. that door because I certainly am open to it with the right kind of artist. But I love this experience with Jim um, and just having this, like, very focused um, but open experience where we could just, you know, bug each other and say, mm -hmm. no, I don't like that. Or yes. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's go down that road for a little while. And, uh, it was, it was very, very cool. And, um, I'm super grateful to him because he was quite patient with me. I mean, <laughs> I was patient with him too, but, um, <laughs> we were patient with each other in, in making our way to the, to what the record sounds like today. And a lot of people don't realize like the give and take relationship 
to getting a record made, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, from the songwriting to the music and then it's like the production. It really is, I, I think, to find the producer and, you know, and vis-a-vis -vis the producer finds the artist where you can have that flexibility and I, I guess maybe that trust that you can be so honest, I think makes the end result yeah. even better. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, and I've been really lucky to work with some amazing producers over the years. And I don't think I'd work with anybody who didn't, you know, um, like take the, like as an artist, primarily as an artist, um, you know, those those perspectives are so important to, mm -hmm. I've never been in a position where um, I haven't felt like I could say something, you know? I mean, maybe in the early days, because I was really nervous or I didn't have the mm -hmm. language around, to, to speak to what I wanted. Um, but yeah, I've always been really blessed with really great partnerships and working with people that I really trust. And it is, yeah, it's a trust relationship for sure. And I, I don't think unless you've really experienced it, it's really hard to understand because you're basically taking your most vulnerable self. You're writing songs in, in this case, very personal songs. You're laying them out and you're saying, let's make this work and so it's it's a it's it's very much a trust relationship both ways and, mm -hmm. and I'm really very proud of what Jim and I were able to accomplish on this record the sounds make me so happy and like yeah it just it exceeded my expectations for sure and I'll always think back to this experience as well, such a huge one for me you know personally and creatively professionally and you know on a friendship level too working with Jim was just I don't know I felt like home it was fantastic. Well it sounds like the timing all aligned and the timing was right okay so let's talk about these songs your favorite or or one I guess you know and it's like kids no I can't tell you which one no, is I my can't, favorite. I can't yeah. tell you. <laughs> okay so let's go which one was like the worst or the hardest to get Ooh. through or, yeah. or hey, we didn't think, we thought this was a dud, but then in the end, it made the final cut. These, these, these are things that happen in the studio. You know, I you know. can write like a song that you think is amazing <laughs> and you bring it to the studio and for whatever reason, it's not working. And I know I've experienced that over the years where there's just songs that get left off of records because mm -hmm. they just don't come together in the same way. Um, there are a lot of songs that were just very easy, very natural to put together. Um, uh, songs like Night Drive and Vitamin, those mm -hmm. two were the first two singles and they are they came together really, I, I didn't struggle with those ones. Those mm -hmm. ones were like a clear path. Yeah. Um, but a song called Lights Go Down, which is in the latter half of the record, uh, it's a co-write. I, I, I wrote it with my friend Peter Katz, who's this amazing songwriter yeah. in Toronto. Yes. And um, you know, he's yes. lovely. <laughs> and he and I wrote this song right before the pandemic hit. And I couldn't find my way in the studio. We just really struggled with it for a long time. And finally, we, we put a couple elements in that just kind of like, it was like, <laughs> just like sucked it together some way. It was just like perfect. And one of the things I love about this song now is my brother sings vocals on it. Um, actually, my whole family, my sister, my mom sing on the record. My dad plays guitar on the record. And my brother sings on this song, uh, Lights Aww. Go Down, which is, uh, it just turned out so beautifully. And he's more in like an R&B, uh, like um, hip hop world. And mm -hmm. he brought these 
beautiful elements to the song that I just love so much. Oh, well, okay, I won't ask you to rap for the song, but <laughs> I know that you are going to play us out with the song, so I'm so proud and happy. Oh, and yes, okay, yes, virtual concert, uh, yes. Sunday, October 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It'll be on or available until Sunday, October 24th. 11.59 midnight. That's um, right, you have till midnight. <laughs> you have till midnight. But it's, um, yeah, everything all at the same time. Did I say that right? No, everything at the same time. Well, all at the same time. It's pretty everything close. Same time. Close enough. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> thank you. And here she is, Caroline Marie Brooks. Congratulations on your new debut thank solo you. EP, girl. Thank you so much, honey. Thanks for having me. This is called... Um, I can't always be there.
Welcome back to Hue at Home. Don't forget that Caroline Marie Brooks's concert is happening on Sunday, October 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to her website, carolinemariebrooks.com, for tickets and more information. Now, we are going to share another installment of the Japanese Canadian's historical retrospective, this time featuring Maduri Bruns. It is so nice to see you, and I know that you have so many memories, happy memories. But this is really to share your story of where you started way back in White Rock, yeah. BC. <laughs> yeah, it's they're happy memories now, but at the time when it was happening, it was like some times it was just like a nightmare, you know. But it all turned out well, and.、Uh, At this age, I'm just grateful that I went through all that so that I can sit here now. be appreciative and also understand what other people are going through. So let's start then. Let's start Midori with the the internment, I guess, and what that meant to you then. And well,、yeah. we never did get interned. We were given the choice to either go work in the sugar beet field in the prairies or. Go into these internment camps, and、uh, my mom and dad opted to go to the farm rather than be enclosed. And、mm-hmm. 
like like a prison, you know. So we um, were put on put on a train to go to Manitoba or Alberta or Manitoba, and we opted for Manitoba. And I think we were the most northernmost Japanese family in Manitoba, but. Uh, the people were welcoming, and you know, it's not like you're in a enemy territory or anything. They were just so gracious and offering us this. It's how how we did it, like some beets or potatoes or some. You know, it was uh, we were very lucky, and uh, yeah, those uh, two or three years in on the beach field were tough especially in the heat, and then later on in the fall, it was a different thing. And it was a lot of manual labor, but uh, all in all, that was good for us. And so, did you get an opportunity to go to school? Uh, I missed two years of school, mm-hmm. about two and a half years. And uh, when we moved to Selkirk from Petersfield, that's when we got to, to uh, the collegiate and uh, right two weeks before the the Christmas exams. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, yeah, my uh, art exam <laughs> was real t- really you know good. I just like like drawing, so th- that came out on top. But uh, others, we s- just two weeks to study for exams and never had any lessons. So it, it was well. But the next set of exam following year was was a breeze. And like growing up for you, did you ever feel that you were different from all the rest? Did uh, you face anything? Yes, but yeah. But Selkirk and Petersville they they were just so welcoming. And of mm-hmm. course Petersville they were we were surrounded by Germans, we were in the same <laughs> boat <laughs> and we all had to go and register every month. So that there was no problem at all, but in Selkirk, uh, no, I didn't encounter uh, just just one incident where a lady was angry because I got served at the butcher shop before her, and and you said you served Japs before us, you know. Wow. And that was the only uh, mm-hmm. prejudicial remark that uh, that I <laughs> had to go through. You can't talk back, you know. So <laughs> No. And then you married and had a family. How did you meet your husband? Oh, in Winnipeg. He's from Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, he was uh, apprenticing for, in pharmacy uh, with a friend of mine. And uh, she introduced Ed to me. And that's how it all started. So it was very in- interesting. My friend that I speak of is... Chinese Canadian from Vancouver, and her husband is a uh, English Canadian from Saskatchewan, <laughs> Ed from Germany, Hamburg, Germany, and me from <laughs> Japan. <laughs> yeah, Japanese so it was the United Nations. Oh my and, goodness! Yeah, we are, we've been friends for so long. I mean, they're both gone now, but the Germans and the Japanese are <laughs> <laughs> still living. <laughs> Tells who's more enduring. What was what was it like a relationship like that back then? Being oh, uh, not yes, yes uh, not Caucasian. We, we were stared at, you know, not with uh, animosity, but uh, because it, it was never happened like that. 
<laughs> so there is this uh, oriental face and a blonde, blue-eyed chap from Germany. <laughs> and the same with my friend who's Chinese and, and her husband is blonde and blue-eyed. And so uh, we used to watch the people's reaction and uh, there I thought, no, I shouldn't be there. <laughs> but it was fun. And have you shared any of your history with your family, the stories from, you know, when you were growing up doing and working in the sugar beet fields? Have you shared those? No, no. I. Uh, it's funny. It, it wasn't intended that way, but we never talked about it. Mm-hmm. And may, maybe it was remembering was a little too hurtful, you know, thinking about all the tough times we had. But uh, we do, I never talked about the sugar beet farm to, to my children. Why not? As I said, maybe, maybe it was bringing back, uh, it was too, too close yet mm-hmm. that, um, when they were growing up. But now I can talk about it, and of course, mm-hmm. they would feel very resentful that their mother had to go through that. But, but uh, all in all, I think it was a good experience. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be uh, regarded as enemy aliens, and so I'm very sympathetic with newcomers to Canada, what they have to go through. But I think the newcomers have a little bit more confidence because they're not the enemy, whereas we were the enemy, well, offsprings from the, from the enemies at the time. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look back, Midori, what comes to mind as something that was really important or made a big impact on you? If you look back and think back. Maybe. When I look back now, I, I see things differently, and I'm very grateful that I had the, this experience of being the enemy alien and to overcome it and uh, have friends, true friends, and uh, well, we're still in contact, these friends that I made at Selkirk. You know, they, they became my friend in spite of all of the, the wartime feeling. We're still, oh, well, of course, at our age, they die off, you know. My best, best friend died, and, and the other one, I, she moved to Ontario, and uh, I don't know what, we lost contact. So. But anyway, uh, I think... Uh, I found a true friend, friendship, many friendships, and, and they they were all very welcoming, and you know, and the church uh, welcomed us. And the minister used to pick on me to read the the passages from from Bible and all that, you know. So Selkirk was a good landing place for us even though we lived in a shack because that was the only thing available. But no. but it was a happy time. And you have lived such a long and happy life. What would you like to say to your, to your family and loved ones? Everything comes right in the end. The years in between is a, it's really working on your soul to to enjoy life and not to look upon all these negative things as being negative. It's, it's just teaching you what it feels like 
in the negative situation and also to be more sympathetic with with people that are coming in with strange country and strange language. It teaches you the true meaning of uh, uh, Christianity or Buddhism or well, to me all those religions that t- uh, uh, teach love and uh, honesty and all that. So whether you are Buddhist or Christian or Muslim, it doesn't matter. You just... I have Muslim friends and Buddhist friends, and <laughs> being Japanese, <laughs> you can't avoid Buddhism. <laughs> uh, that's that you're so true. It's just everybody is a human being, right? Yeah. At, at and uh, when I um, met my Baha'i friends, that's when it really came to it. I mean, they 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 embrace all religion, nine main religions plus offshoots. As, as long as you know, it's it's in your heart whether you deserve God's love or God life. To me, that's the same thing. And the the faster you embrace the fact that we're all children of one God, whatever you call it, you know, you you can't be anything else but loving and understanding. So. At 94, I'm really enjoying the life as it is, and and although I can't do a lot of things that I have been doing, I mean, you have to accept your mobility as such as and and know what you can do and can't do. But what you can do, you make the best of it and do it. Thank you so much, Midori. It's been Was a I bragging? pleasure. <laughs> you weren't bragging, no. No. That's True little... words of wisdom. Thank you. So the Hive is a climbing and fitness facility, so we're bouldering only, which means no ropes or harnesses. We use mats for protection. But the four pillars of our business are climbing, education, health and wellness and community and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience. We want to thank all of our special guests on today's show and leave you with this question. If you had the chance to write a personal song about your life, what would it be and why? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehugh. But for now, stay safe and stay healthy. And we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. April's gray, the softest light. I see through the sleep I couldn't find last night. Look how beautiful it is. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of iLikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. 
This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.